Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Just go to Indeed.com slash BrainsOn right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to BrainsOn, where we get curious about the science of everything. You're listening to Brains On. I'm your host, Molly Bloom, and I'm here with one of our producers, Mark Sanchez. Hi, Mark. Hey, Molly. Hey, I want to play a word association game with you, okay? Okay. So when I say word, you just tell me the first thing that pops into your mind. Okay. Butterfly. Caterpillar. Wasp. Sting. Parasitoid. What is a parasitoid? You don't know what a parasitoid is? I do not. You know what a parasite is, right? Yes. A parasite Parasite. is an organism that lives in or on another organism. That's the host. Host. And they use the host as a source of food, shelter. They're super fascinating. Totally. And the difference between a parasitoid and a parasite is that a parasitoid will always kill its host. Parasites don't always do that. Hi, I'm Carl. I'm a graduate student at the University of Minnesota, and I study tiny little wasps that lay their eggs in other insects. They're called parasitoid wasps. That's our biologist pal, Carl Stenoyan. All right, Carl. I met him at the Monarch Butterfly Lab at the University of Minnesota when we were working on our Monarch episode. If you haven't heard that one yet, check it out. For sure, check that out. It is quite a fascinating journey to Mexico and back. And those tiny little parasitoid wasps that Carl studies use monarchs as their hosts. They feed on the chrysalis of a butterfly. Chrysalis? I think I need a little refresher. The chrysalis, chrysalis, or pupa, pupa, is that stage in a caterpillar's life that comes after crawling on leaves and before flying off on new butterfly wings. Pupa is a funny word. This robot is easily distracted. Also, the plural of pupa is pupae. Pupae is a funny word. Ha 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 ha. Oh, robot. Apologies. During chrysalis, a caterpillar forms a protective shell around itself so it can go through its transformation to a butterfly. Now, monarch butterflies eat milkweed, which provides them with a natural defense. Milkweed is toxic to parasitoids, like wasps. So the monarch would be poisonous if the wasp ate it? True, but there's one type of wasp that Carl studies that seems to be immune to these milkweed toxins. All right, so this wasp Pteromalus casotis, P-T-E-R, like a pterodactyl, it means wing. Pteromalus casotis is its name, and we really don't know much about it at all, except that we know it will lay its eggs in the chrysalis of certain butterfly species, and it seems like it might be specialized on monarch butterfly chrysalids. So when these wasps lay their eggs, what you get at the end of the chrysalis isn't the beautiful butterfly you would expect. Instead of two weeks later a butterfly emerging, you'll have 100 wasps emerging instead. One female will somehow find a chrysalis in the wild, and she'll spend about maybe a day or two laying eggs into it. 
There's not much a pupa can do to defend itself because it doesn't have any limbs or any teeth and it can barely move. Um, and once it hardens up, it's kind of just a sitting duck. Sometimes um, we find more than 200 offspring from one chrysalis. Molly, do you want to hear something crazy about these parasitoid wasps? You mean more crazy than hundreds of wasps feeding off a chrysalis and flying out when I expected to see a colorful butterfly? Right. Okay. Another crazy thing about these parasitoid wasps, there are more species of these wasps than all of vertebrates combined. So more than birds, Uh plus fish, plus amphibians, plus Mm -hmm. mammals? Yep. Combined. That's a lot of wasp species. Don't worry, I'm not trying to scare you. Too late. (laughs) These things have been around since before we even kept records, and they haven't overtaken us yet. Attack of the parasitoids. Robot, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay, my point is that there are so many different species of parasitoid wasps, they can be hard to identify. Tiny differences in size and color and shape can be tough to detect, but they're important. So how did Carl do it? This is where his detective work started. The lab that he works in was trying to figure out what might be killing monarchs during the chrysalis stage. So they found them in the wild and brought them back to the lab. And then? And then they waited. Almost luckily, we had one instance of parasitism that first year of the study. And we said, let's go to the books, look it up. It looks like this really common wasp that's used in biological control, Caramalis puparum. But they had to be sure. So they took the next step. We sent it to the Smithsonian. They have a large collection of insects to compare it to. And they responded, yeah, it probably is Caramalis puparum. We're not 100% sure, but let's go with that. For some people, being close to 100% sure, that'll do. But for scientists, not quite. Then we dug into some really old literature and found a paper from 1888. There was this one record of monarch hosts being parasitized by this one wasp. Then we looked a little closer at the catalogs and realized there were a few differences, like the color of the legs were slightly different and things like that. And so then we realized that not Terramalus puparum, we actually have this other species, Terramalus casotis, that no one's paid attention to in over 100 years. So nobody had seen this wasp since 1888. That's pretty amazing. I know. It had been so long that people had actually forgotten all about it. Can you imagine looking at this little teeny wasp that's about as big as the grain of rice, and you're the only person who knows it exists? Think about that for a second. That is bananas. Bananas indeed, robot. Every time I learn something new that nobody else has ever learned, it's a huge rush. I love it. It's a super exciting feeling, and it I can't really describe it. That was Carl Stenoyan from the University of Minnesota Monarch Lab. Thanks for bringing that story to us, Mark. You're welcome. And thanks, Robot. My pleasure. Do you have any questions for us about parasites, robots, anything else? Send them to us at brainson at m as in Minnesota, pr.org. Right now, we're working to find an answer to this question from six-year-old Rupert Kong from Toronto. How do volcanoes erupt? Did you catch that? 
He said, how do volcanoes erupt? We'll have an answer for you very soon. Until then, send us your questions. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at brains underscore on. And there's one more thing we need to take care of before we sign off. It's time for the mystery sound. We've been asking you to send us your mystery sounds, and it's been fun hearing what you've come up with and trying to guess the answers. They're pretty tricky. We're going to see if you have an easier time guessing this one than we did. Ready? Here it is. I'm six years old, and the sound of that was was going down a hill at like 25 miles per hour, basically sledding. What it also sounds like to me is 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 a friction piano. It's like a bunch of notes at the same time, and 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 it sounds like a full melody, like they're just all playing at the same time. Thanks, Bear, for sending that really cool sound, the sound of sledding. I don't know what a friction piano is, but it sounds like a cool invention. Good idea. If you have a mystery sound you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear it. Just send it to brainson at mpr.org. We'll play some of the sounds we get on an upcoming episode. That's it for now. You can always listen to past episodes at our website, brainson.org, or at your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. Brains on.